You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back on the Oz Network for a ninth and final time as we talk about the Academy Award, 90th Academy Award, nominated Best Picture Contenders, as we're now about 24 hours away from finding out who wins this thing. Uh, We can finally give you our two cents and our opinions, and then in 24 hours, everybody can complain about how the Oz Network got it right and the Oscars got it wrong. Uh, or just Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway got it wrong. Uh, but we'll give you our final movie here, which uh, is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, a movie that uh, you know we talked a little bit on the end of the last episode, which, Ben, you've already seen, and I already know your opinion of this or your final ranking. Um, but I finished this movie maybe 45 minutes ago so this is very fresh for me and uh i'm very excited to talk about it because uh this is another very different movie as everything we've covered has been so far uh let's go with the introductions my name is colin and we've had two complaints about the podcast from a lady with a funny eye and a fat (laughs) dentist (laughs) and my name is ben and it's persons of color podcasting business these days I wasn't sure you'd go there, but you did. <laughs> I did. I went there. I was trying to be politically correct, sort of. <laughs> so, three bo- billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. One of the longest and weirdest titles in Oscar history. Uh, and one of the oddest movies, I think, in recent memory. Um, very simple story, but just... Oh, it's handled in such an unusual way and uh, really fascinating uh, way that they took this story, like uh, several movies we've talked about, I think, just going a completely different direction from the way that you would normally think if you just read the description of this movie. But uh, I kind of already know where at least you rank this in your final rankings, but I haven't had any opinions from you. So uh, what did you think about this movie? Yeah, I spoiled it for all my three friends on Facebook that I uh, put the rankings <laughs> up. Um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was just, again, similar to, I think I've said a lot of times throughout these episodes of Dan, just didn't really know a whole lot to, what to expect. I mean, I'd heard a lot in terms of that this was, you know, strong performances, you know, it's got a, you know, a, a strong story. Um, and it's kind of just, you know, something that's a very simple plot. But I mean, I, I enjoy kind of a movie like this where it's, you know, it's just so simple and it's just all about the acting. I know we've talked about that, about a few of these films and, yeah, it was just it was just different, and I mean, it's just kind of every time something happens in the film, and you think you know what's about to happen, something else happens, and then all of a sudden something else is happening, and you know, so many of these characters that you know in this film you're not meant to really like, but you like them, but then you don't like them. I mean, is Woody Harrelson like the only one in this film that really you kind of come out liking the most? Mm-hmm. Um, his character, because you know, with Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell, there's so much to dislike about their characters, but there's so much to like at the same time. It's just kind of it's interesting and such good performances by both of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an unusual title, it's an unusual film, but I mean, this is kind of one of these ones that I feel just you remember. Um, you know, I mean, so many of these films we kind of go over and say, look, oh, they don't really have a plot. Um, but I mean, if you're thinking about the most unique films out of all nine of these, I mean, this and The Shape of Water are kind of the most, I guess, individual films. And even then, with The Shape of Water, I kind of likened it to Free Willy, whereas, I mean, <laughs> what could I liken this film to? It's just so individual, it's so unique that, um, yeah, I mean, I can see why this is up there as one of, if not the favourite, to win Best Picture, because I just think it's a great film, it's just, it's unique, and it kind of, you leave watching this film just, you know, like, I don't know, it's entertained and just thought-provoking and just so many things about it, it's just, it's just an enjoyable movie. 
kind of like with The Shape of Water and a lot of these movies, I wanted to do an experiment. Like, I always go through all the best pictures before the Oscars come out. And I wanted to do something different this time and know as little about the movies as possible going in. I tried not to watch trailers. Um, I still don't think I've seen the full trailer for this. I've seen a few TV spots. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in a way, I think that that's made it more enjoyable for me this year. I agree. Because you hear the plot of this movie. It's, you know, this mother uh, whose daughter has been raped and killed. And the movie picks up. We're not even told how long it picks up. And that's one of the great things about the movie is they drop you. It almost feels like this is the second part of a miniseries or something. And you just miss the first part. But they drop you into the middle of this. And there's all this backstory that just slowly gets uh, revealed. And I expected this, even though I knew that there was some comic elements to it, I expected it to be kind of a heavy movie uh, and, you know, very dramatic and about this mother's crusade for justice. And you, you really get this impression early on, especially when you see the, the main two police officers, Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell, uh, the idea would be that, yeah, the police dropped the ball on this. We don't really ever find out if the police did drop the ball. I mean, it's kind of the opposite. You find out very early on in this movie, especially through Woody Harrelson's character. It's like, he really did try. It's just, they're, they're in, they're in this bad position where they just had no evidence and they couldn't do anything about this case. And you think probably within the first 20 minutes that you're going to be behind Mildred's character. And then as soon as Woody Harrelson enters this, like you said, he's probably the only truly good person in this movie. You realize like, well, Mildred is, maybe going too far with this and there's even characters who say throughout this you know a lot of people just hear the plot of this and uh there's all already you know talk about the original story that inspired this and people saying you know we need to do billboards like this and in this movie they say everybody is behind you mildred everybody is behind you know justice for your daughter nobody is behind this billboard thing because it kind of just creates this rift between her and the police and neither side's right and neither side's wrong. And I think that's the most interesting thing about this movie is they spend an hour and 55 minutes just sort of letting the audience decide that you know, this is what happens when things get heated in a small town and you don't have answers for something. Yeah, completely agree. And that's kind of like one of these directional turns that I was thinking, like just wasn't expecting, like as you were saying, the first kind of 15 minutes, you're kind of really thinking that Mildred's going to be, you know, there's going to be all these things happening around her getting justice for her daughter. But, I mean, you really do get a lot of this movie just, yeah, she's going too far. Like, she just, it's not like everybody's against her. Uh, I mean, you know, they're against what she's doing, but as you said, like, they're kind of, they want justice. And even just, I think, kind of the comparisons, like when you get the the whole arc between herself and uh, Sam Rockwell's character, Jason, like, how that kind of concludes. Like, it's just... It's just so unique. You're never expecting it to happen the way that does with those two. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just fascinating. And it's kind of, um, I know we talk a lot about Crash and cause you and I are defenders of Crash, but I mean, I, I remember a lot about with that film that kind of, it had those issues, but it, I don't say it shoved them down your throat. It did them in a way that kind of, you know, in similar ways to maybe like how Get Out kind of does it sort of subtly. I mean, Crash is not as subtle as Get Out. But it still mm-hmm. does it in a way where you kind of come out of it without feeling like you've been preached to. And I think kind of this movie, while it doesn't really have as many of those sort of things that we're kind of talking about, it still kind of has bits about, you know, small town policing, you know, just the references to kind of, you know, racism and, you know, the sexism and stuff like that. And not necessarily sexism, but the way like, you know, Mildred's treated by her ex and all things like that. But it's it's done in a way that it's bad but you're also at the same time not being you know shoved it down your throat if that makes sense it's kind of it's all done so in just a unique way that uh you know again it's just it really is such a unique film 
Yeah, and I said at the end of last episode, one of the things that really interested me in this movie was just those three lead actors because I'm such huge fans of theirs. I mean, I said at the last episode as well, Frances McDormand, I think, in Fargo is one of the greatest acting performances I've ever seen, and she did win the Oscar for that. Um, Woody Harrelson, you know, forever he's been around. He's just he's had this career resurgence lately, uh, and I just love that it, this guy who became a massive star and a very respected actor in the 90s, now 20 years later, is kind of at, you know reaching his peak now. And Sam Rockwell, I mean, it's a shame that he didn't get nominated or even win an Oscar for you know Confessions of a Dangerous Mind 15 years ago or uh, Moon almost 10 years ago. And now he's, he's one of these actors who delivers like a great performance every couple of years that just gets ignored. And then you have a movie like this that comes out just out of nowhere and it finally makes him a star. I mean, those three actors, not even just those three actors, I mean, everybody is so good in this movie. We said this about almost every movie on here, but you could take, if you were to take France McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, others movie, let's say that you recast those three roles and those actors give average performances. There are a handful of other people in this movie that probably could have walked away with an Oscar nomination uh, if there had been a push for them. Uh, we, we mentioned... The guy who played the brother in Get Out, Caleb Landry Jones, he plays the, um, I guess, the guy who runs or hires the the people to make these billboards or he rents out the billboard space. Like, such a great character with only about three or four scenes in this movie. And there's there's one scene that he has with Sam Rockwell late in the movie where I'm like, this guy could have gotten a nomination if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um Zeljko Ivanik, who we talked about in 24 and everything. I mean, this is just, it feels like one of those rare movies where everybody could have been nominated and in something that doesn't happen that often we actually have two of these actors competing against each other tomorrow with woody harrelson against sam rockwell um like was there one performance out of all these that stood out for you oh that's a tough i mean i honestly kind of went into this knowing that sam rockwell and francis mcdorm were nominated i didn't actually realize that woody harrelson was nominated so like when i saw when i double checked i was like wow that's great he deserved it um i mean it's just tough because I mean, you can see why both Francis and Sam are like, because we're on first name basis, we're good friends. Um, how they're favourites in their categories because they're just so good. So I mean, equally to me, they were just as impressive. Um, because I just think kind of out of all these films and all the performances that we've seen, I think there's just the ones that stand out the most. I mean, if I look at you know Francis McDormand against you know Sally Hawkins, great. I mean, she really was great in sort of the role she did. I mean, Margot Robbie, we obviously went over that when we did I Tonya. I think that she thoroughly deserved that. Uh, Cerise Ronan, uh, Cerise, however you say her name is, great, you know, but it's kind of that quirky sort of great, great sort of style. And then, you know, Meryl Streep, well, you know, she's just going to breathe and she'll get an Oscar nomination, but she's still brilliant in a role. But I think Frances McDormand is a, is a standout out of all of those five by far. And same with, you know, Sam Rockwell, like, I, I, I liked it better than, I mean, I, li- I appreciated Richard Jenkins' role. I absolutely did. I'm not to take away from that. Um, but I think kind of out of the ones we've seen, obviously we haven't seen, um, you know, discount Kevin Spacey and Willem Dafoe. So it's kind of, um, you know, it's difficult to fully go into that. Personally, obviously, as I said, I'd love to see Willem Dafoe win an Oscar. But I mean, Sam Rockwell was just so good in this film. I just, I just don't see how he couldn't win it. And it's just so good. And I would even put one out there if Peter Dinklage was in this movie more. Uh, I mean, he's mm-hmm. on, he's hardly yeah. in this movie, but he's brilliant. Like, I mean, not to take away, everyone knows Peter Dinklage is a brilliant actor. But his role in this film was just so good and it kind of, you know, similar to what you were saying about, you know, take these three main ones out who get the Oscar nominees and Oscar noms and kind of, you know, 
have other people on it, but like Peter Dinklage could have easily gotten one out of this if his role was maybe expanded slightly because just his type of role was brilliant. And there really isn't a bad actor in this film. There really isn't. Uh, maybe Samara Weaving, but we'll get to her. Uh, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about with You'll her. You'll have to remind me who she is when we get to her. Yes, yes. She's the one I sort of loosely alluded to yesterday, but she kind of just plays the same person I've seen her play in everything she's ever been in. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the other thing is just the script, too, and uh, it almost feels repetitive. I mean, we're covering what are essentially the nine or eight of the best movies of the year. Sorry, Phantom <laughs> Thread. Uh, and we'll get... You know, on the end here, talk a little bit about some other movies that maybe could have been these spots. But I, I don't think this is necessarily like the strongest year for movies. But like of these that are nominated, so many of these scripts, especially for the original screenplay category we talked about, um, it's all Best Picture nominations and then The Big Sick. And every one of these movies we've covered, we're like, yeah, this could probably win Best Original Screenplay. Now that I've seen this one, I'm, I would have a hard time accepting any of the other ones because the dialogue is just so good in this movie Every line is memorable, and we're going through our, you know, the quotes we have at the beginning of this, and you're reading you know, some of these quotes, and the funny thing about it is this movie has this comic side to it, and this is where the script, I think, is so important. Also the direction, which you know, I should just say it's a shame that uh, – um, what's his name? Martin, um, Martin McDonough. Yeah, that he did not get a Best Director nomination. Like, that's crazy. This may be, you know, an Argo uh, thing where Three Billboards wins Best Picture and yet isn't even nominated for Best Director. It's crazy he didn't get nominated. But this script, it's so funny. But yet when you're watching the movie, you're not laughing. Mm. It's it's just sort of it, – it lightens the mood of what would have otherwise been this very heavy story because you describe the movie and you expect something very heavy. Yeah. And when we read the lines – out of context of the movie, like you're laughing out loud at every line in this movie. If you just read the quotes on IMDb, if you've never seen this movie, you will be laughing out loud. And yet, at no point in the movie do I feel like this is making light of the subject matter or anything. Like It actually just helps the audience accept the story more and not hate the characters as much. Because every person is going to come into a movie with their own perspective. And there's movies that we watch uh, – a good, good example – uh, have you ever seen the movie 500 Days of Summer with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, I haven't. It's it's a fantastic movie, but it is, I guess you would consider it a romance movie told from the guy's point of view. Now, I show this to Jamie, and she's like, this is the dumbest movie ever, because she's expecting the movie to play out from what she expects a romance movie from a female's point of view. So you throw that, you know, that, that, that wrench in there where, no, no, you're watching it from a different point of view, and different audience members are going to say this is either good or this is terrible. But by presenting this in such a light way with some of the comedy, you don't have to make those judgments. Sam Rockwell is a nasty person through most of this movie. Mm-hmm. But every moment he's not being a nasty, terrible dick, he's just an idiotic, slightly lovable boob. <laughs> like he just he does these idiotic things that's really funny. And then Frances McDormand, you sympathize with her, but then she does something like, you know, kick a child in the nuts. <laughs> What you all wanted to do. Like, what a, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, what a terrible woman. But like, you can't make a judgment one way or the other because of the way the movie's presented. And I think that's all in the script and the direction. So shame that this didn't get a Best Director nomination, but like, please give it Best Screenplay, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that category's so tough. Um, I mean, let's be completely honest and say The Big Sick isn't winning. Um, I think it's winning. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's win was getting nominated. Um, 
So, yeah, but it is it is really tough, but I think I'm with you there. It's kind of like just out of all of these to kind of see how that is. I mean, as much as a fan of Get Out as I am, I, I still feel that this deserves it more. Um, and it's just, yeah, just even just like how this ends and kind of just the conclusion, you're just not expecting it. Like, there's a certain part of this film where you think uh, with Sam Rockwell's character where he's kind of doing a bit of investigating, you think, okay, this is going to be that conclusion that we're going to assume is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but it just, it doesn't. And it's just, it's just crazy. And then kind of how it ends with kind of that part of the storyline, it's just, it's, it's insane. And kind of like it ends on a, you know, the open-ended note where you don't know what's going to happen. But I love that when they do that well. Like there are definitely times in a movie where you hate that. Like, oh shit, that's, you know, two hours of my life gone for no resolution. But this is kind of one of those films where you don't care. It's, it's done in a yeah. way where you're like, yep, yeah, okay, that makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, like, as you were saying, like, with Sam Rockwell's character, like, he is just a horrible person, but then there are just times, even when he's doing horrible things, like the scene when he's, um, you know, throwing what's-his-face out the window and stuff like Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> like, it's a, he's an absolute ass. <laughs> like, he literally punches a woman in the face, like, you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> like, it's terrible what he's doing, but at the same time, you're like, oh, you know, there he is, a lovable boob of ebbing. Um, so... Yeah, it's and, just... and not to not to throw any more spoilers out there, but there's a point in this movie where he's getting reprimanded for what he just did, for throwing a man out a window, for punching a woman in the face, and it's basically like, give me your gun, <laughs> give me your badge, and he's it's this like big dramatic moment, and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know where my badge is, <laughs> like I I may have dropped it back there, I don't know, it's like, get out of here, you know, it makes him endearing in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and just yeah, like as you said, like just everybody go to the IMDb page and just read the quotes. It's just you know, it's, <laughs> it's just so funny reading them out of context. But like you're right, like when you see them in the movie, you're not necessarily laughing out loud. Um, but to me, it's, it's it has some similarities just in the style of it to I Tonya and the fact that. You know, I, Tonya's got some heavy stuff, yeah. like when she's sort of getting abused by her husband and a mother and that sort of stuff, but at, at no point are you necessarily, I mean, she's a victim, but she doesn't play the victim, and you're kind of laughing along the way with certain things, and it's kind of like this film, like, you know, Frances McDormand's character's been through some shit, like, it's been pretty disgusting, but, like, at the same time, you're just kind of going along with it and showing that she's, you know, this tough female, you know, going along with it, and I was reading uh, uh, one of these prediction articles uh, where they were sort of, you know, saying, oh, who's going to win the best picture, who should win, and all this sort of stuff, and I think it was in the ABC here in Australia, I don't know who the film reviewer is, but he was basically talking about this film, how he didn't like it, and how basically Frances McDormand's character comes out as nothing more than a, you know, a weak woman who, you know, does this, and I'm like, did you watch this film? Like, just his explanation for it was trying to be all arty and edgy, but this is a guy who thinks that Lady Bird should win Best Picture, so, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Here's a, here's a couple of other things here for, as far as the nominations go. So this comes out with seven nominations. Best Picture, not Best Director, Disgrace. Uh, Best Actress for Frances McDormand. Best Supporting Actor for Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell. Uh, Best Original Screenplay. So we talked about all those. Uh, Best Original Score. Okay, so this is the one where I'm going to kind of disagree. Mm. because I, Maybe it's because the other ones in this category. And I'll actually include The Last Jedi in here. I mean, we've knocked it. It's, it's definitely better than The Force Awakens score. There are better ones that could have been put up. But I don't think I noticed the music in this movie. And when there was music in here, it wasn't like I felt like it added so much to me. What I felt like with this movie that was surprising was how much the songs that are played in this movie add to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's long sequences where the songs – and it, I don't know the, the style of music. This is like my mom's generation. I'm sure my mom would have loved the soundtrack. 
But those are the things that add to the movie. So not to get like super critical because there's really nothing to be critical about this movie, but this almost felt like, well, we don't know what else to nominate for original score. We don't want to give John Williams two, you know, uh, so let's just throw one out there for Carter Burwell for three billboards. Uh, not sure that this is, you know, the best of the uh, nominations uh, that we could have gotten. But then, of course, the editing, which is certainly not as flashy as some of the other ones, like Dunkirk, I think, is probably a lock for this category. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is sort of that category where maybe it's not a flashy thing, but this movie is so tight. And the fact that you don't ever get bored by any of the scenes and the story just moves us to grace pace and every scene just, it, it's the perfect length. It's the perfect timing and everything. So, I mean, I, I can see why this got thrown into the editing category, despite not being really a big, uh, you know, elaborate production like Dunkirk or Shape of Water. Yeah, I agree with you with the score. I mean, I can barely even remember what it was. I mean, at least with the fan and thread, although it drove me bonkers, you can sort of come out of yeah. it remembering it. Um, so I don't think this is a chance. I mean, all the other four films that, you know, in that category, even The Last Jedi, I think kind of came out of it with more memorable scores. Um, and for editing, like, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I'm going to really root hard for Baby Driver in this one. Like, I just think the editing in that was just so well done. But, I mean, if that's the win one, I think that will come down to, to sound mixing or sound editing, hopefully. But I can see Baby Driver potentially being in the mix there. But, yeah, I mean, even I, Tonya, though, had great editing. I mean, they all have great sort of... That, that's another tough category, I think. Um, but, I mean, I think kind of the other four films above three bull, billboards in the editing maybe just had... I don't know, that the editing style was more different compared to it. But I agree with you. Like, there's nothing boring in this film. It's so tightly put together. Um, so, I mean, it deserves a nom, but I maybe don't think that they can probably win that one. But, I mean, I think this is, the strong point for this film is obviously the the screenplay and the acting. So, um, Especially France McDormand. Like, do you think yeah. she's, oh, she's going to be the lock not? here? I think her and Gary yeah. Oldman are just just almost mm -hmm. put your house on at odds. Um, it really is. I think it's only really supporting actor, isn't it? That's kind of the one that's a bit up in the air because even supporting actress has kind of been owned by Alison Jenny. Although I have seen a yeah. few things recently that are saying that Laurie Metcalf might be in with a chance. Um, but I think kind of out of all the acting categories, it really is that best supporting actor one that does it. And I've seen a lot of kind of, you know, I think Willem Dafoe was really the, the first front runner, but then it kind of came to Sam Rockwell. But I'm seeing a lot of Christopher Plummer love, um, recently. So I don't know. Like I think. You know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do ultimately predictions or anything like that when, you know, maybe our main mm -hmm. ones that we've covered. But, um, I mean, I kind of think for best picture that the, it's between this and the shape of water, I feel. And I, I just, I just have a feeling that this will get it. I just kind of think that this, the climate that we're in and all that sort of stuff and just kind of how this plays out. Um, I, this is, I'm just saying now I'm jumping ahead here, but this is my prediction that we'll win best picture. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to be mine too. Um, because, I think it's weird that when Argo won, one of the reasons I mentioned in the past episode that Argo did win wasn't necessarily for the movie itself, because I don't think it was as strong of a movie as, uh, you know, some of the other ones that were nominated. I, I believe that year it was even up against, like, um, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, and it definitely wasn't on that level. But the strength of Argo to go on to win Best Picture had a lot to do with it not getting the Best Director nomination. And they said, well, we somehow this slipped through the cracks and there's a flaw in our voting system. Uh, we have to award it with something. Let's give it best picture. This one's different because there's not a lot of people even talking about the fact that Martin McDonough is not nominated for best director. But this feels like a best picture to me. And The Shape of Water feels like 
if you look at a year like 2012, Argo winning Best Picture, Ang Lee winning Best Director for Life of Pi, that sort of what happens when you have the the, the more stylish, uh, um, you know, more technical movie. They'll give that Best Director, and then they'll give the Best Picture to the one that's more story based and that that's you know maybe more um, in the minds of the audience, uh, you know, something really special and unique. Not to say Life of Pi wasn't. I mean, I prefer Life of Pi over Argo. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think this is going to win it. And we, I guess we should go through, at least in the major categories here, what uh, we'll walk away with it, our predictions and our own personal preferences. But before we get to that and a couple other things on the end, I mean, is there anything else you want to add on Three Billboards that we haven't talked about? No, I mean, I think this is a movie that I would gladly watch again. Um, I think that it's, you know, out of all of these, it, it is in that sort of top tier of categories where I would enjoy watching this movie again. Um, and I think, again, it's just one that kind of resonates and you remember, like, you know, in, in five years' time, if we're still doing this, and you go, oh, I remember when we first started doing this in 2018, you know, I think this is a, a film, whether it wins or not, that you're going to remember. So, um yeah, I just think it's just such a such a memorable, such a great film, and I'm kind of glad we saved it to last because you know I'm glad we didn't save like Phantom Throne to last because I would have shot myself. Oh, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean I don't really have much to add. I just think that it's just yeah, it's just such a great film. So it's pretty clear at this point, just based on our reactions, what we're going to do with this. But just to make it official, buy it, rent it, bin it. I mean, I'm buying this yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm I, so buying. I'm buying it too. And you can tell me where my ranking was for the um, Well, Ben, overall. you ranked this um, fourth. <laughs> yes. So you have – this is your official final rankings of uh, the nine Best Picture nominees. So you have uh, Get Out as your number one, which it's funny that most of the attention seems to be that three billboards in Shape of Water are running away with this. But I found an article online today that was uh, talking about, I guess, taking – you know, maybe a hundred of the top critics in America and their t- final top 10 list of the year. And they did like a point system. So if it was put at number one, it gets 10 points. If it was put at number 10, it gets one point and so on. And Get Out actually ranked higher than any other movie last year on critics' top 10 list. It appeared in the number one spot more than even Three Billboards or Shape of Water. So Interesting. I don't know. That could be another surprise one there. But you've got Get Out as number one. Add, add it to the number uh, top ten list because our, our opinions account a lot. They always oh, end up right. in those. Oh, that's right. 102 here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got then Dunkirk at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, The Shape of Water. Number four, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Five, then The Darkest Hour. Uh, six, Lady Bird. Seven, nope. Call Me By Your Name. And then... Eight. Wait, am I missing one? You missed the post. Six is the post. The post. Yep. Yeah. Six, the post. Uh, seven, Lady Bird. Eight, Call Me By Your Name. Nine, Phantom Thread. Correct. Uh, can we just make that ten and substitute something in there for nine? No, I was, was going to put Phantom Thread at like 42nd for the year. Um, but, oh, uh... yeah. yeah. It's, it's got to be in the double digits somewhere. Yes. Uh, so for me, uh, I'm putting this at number one. Wow. And not only am I putting this at number one, I will go as far as to say that the last time that I think I loved, I walked out of a movie or didn't walk out, walked away from a movie, uh, loving it this much was probably Whiplash, I think three years ago, which I still would put Whiplash as like my number one movie of this whole decade. I'd probably put three billboards just behind that. Like wow. when we started this, I said what I look for in a great movie, in a classic movie, is something where there are multiple scenes that I will remember forever if I never watch this movie again. 
And I don't think there's one scene in this movie that I'll ever forget. There are just generic scenes of Francis McDormand sitting there looking at billboards, and I'll remember those scenes. Like, this is one of the most, I think it's going to go on to become one of the most memorable movies, you know, I've seen in this decade for sure, and even longer past that. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe how much I love this movie. Wow, there you go. I, I mean, it was it was a tough one for me to ultimately kind of put it, and it's, it, by putting it fourth and having three movies ahead of it, that's not to take away from, again, my love of this film. I just think that maybe my top four I just enjoyed, all enjoyed thoroughly, like, you know, and I just put the put get out just slightly on top just because i just i don't know there's something about that film that i still just really like but i think all of my top four uh to me you know like if any of those four won best picture i would be thrilled um and then kind of you know i have my darkest hour the post kind of in that middle category you know then i have ladybird call me by a name kind of side by side and fan fred like way down the bottom so but i mean i think ultimately in doing this um you know because this is the very first time i've ever watched all of the best picture nominees ever i mean Again, I, maybe there's been years where I've seen two or three of them. You know, I, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to really go through them. But, I mean, I, I didn't expect to like all as many of these films as I did because generally I kind of see when I watch the Academy Awards every year, I see, like, sort of previews and kind of, like, snippets of films. I'm like, God, I would not enjoy that movie. Um, so, like, this time around I was, yeah, I really, you know, eight of the nine films I enjoyed. So, um, and, you know, Phantom Thread had, like, two good scenes with food in it. <laughs> and Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. is great. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't absolutely despise it, as we know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed this. And it's kind of, I'm so happy that I've done something I've always wanted to do. And I, I hope to be able to do this every single year. And it'll be interesting this time next year if we do it again to say, like, hey, were, were they as strong as last year's uh, Best Picture? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably answer that. Are these as strong as last year's Best Pictures? Because I guess you do this every year, don't you? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's... I, well, I'll say this. Three Billboards, I think, is stronger. I think even Dunkirk is stronger than most we got last year. Um, overall, I don't think there was one movie nominated last year that I disliked outside of La La Land. And I probably preferred La La Land over Phantom Thread. Hmm. But there were just like Hell or High Water I loved, Hacksaw Ridge I loved, Fences I loved, The Arrival... Uh, there was so much good stuff last year that I was just looking at earlier today. I'm like, this year really doesn't compare. But a handful of these movies are just so original compared to what we got last year, uh, where it was more just these are genre movies, just really good versions of that like Lion. It's just a survival story or whatever, but a good version of that. And not many of these movies really fit into a category. Uh, I think just you know, my bottom to Lady Bird and Phantom Thread, Lady Bird being just your typical, you know, coming of age, year in the life of teenager movie. Uh, and then Phantom Thread, just your incredibly boring, uh, I think I slept through half of it, um, <laughs> but I didn't miss much genre. Uh, but of these movies, I mean, obviously I'm putting three billboards at number one. What was scary to me was how close our rankings were. Mm. Because, and, it, and it's, not to say, you know, your, your opinion is bad, my opinion is bad, or anything, but... Just say, you like, know, my opinions are let, bad. Let's be honest. <laughs> if I matched Ben, movie for movie, out of nine movies in this year, <laughs> and this is the man who thinks Die Another Day is one of the greatest James Bond movies of all time, I would just have to quit this podcast. It would be over right now. So I'm glad that you put this at number four, and that you put Get Out at number one. Because really, those are there's only a few differences. I mean, I put this yeah. at number one. My number two is Dunkirk. My number three is Get Out. Uh, my number four is uh, Shape of Water. Five, Darkest Hour. Six, The Post. 
seven Call Me By Your Name, eight Lady Bird, nine Phantom Thread. So we just kind of, our top three are just, our top four, I guess, are just slightly different versions of themselves. And then we swap Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name. Look at us growing and learning and appreciating each other's <laughs> styles. I don't Becoming know. Becoming the same person. No. <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> well, we're both with Canadian women. Um, we both. Yes. Like hockey. Different ones, by the way. Yeah, different ones. It's not some sort of like, you know, <laughs> Mormon relationship or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, we both like Survivor. Um, yeah. We, we both. James Bond. James Bond. Oh, oh no, we are the same person. Oh. No. <laughs> Help us. Die another day, die another day. Woo, it's great. Yes. <laughs> I wanna wake up. Yes, then. <laughs> So let's go through these categories. We won't do every single one, but maybe some of the, the bigger ones. And I'm going to include some of the technical ones in there because I love some of the technical categories. Uh, give your prediction on what will win and then what you would pick. So we already know for Best Picture, we've said we both think Three Billboards is going to win. I think Three Billboards should win. You're sticking by Get Out should win, right? Look, I w- yeah, I mean, I would be absolutely thrilled if, if Get Out won. But, um, yeah, I think that Three Billboards will win. I think that, uh, you know, it will just edge out Shape of Water. Um, but yeah, personally, Get Out would be fantastic. But uh, as I said, any of my top four, I would be thrilled if they won. Uh, best director, there's no Martin McDonough here. I would have put him number one for best director, but uh, we got Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Fan of Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. Um, my opinion is I would go with Nolan for this because I do think it's one of his strongest movies he's ever made. Uh, but Guillermo del Toro is the one who's going to walk away with this. We saw it uh, in, I think it was 2013, when Alfonso Cuaron won for Gravity. Um, it, it's just there's there's this this love for Mexican directors making American movies uh, <laughs> that I think is going to continue this year. And if Three Billboards wins Best Picture, it's probably going to uh, end up being del Toro winning for director. Uh, I'm with you. I'd love to see Nolan win, of course. Um, really would. And, you know, again, with the Get Out love, I mean, Jordan Peele, that would be kind of a fun story, wouldn't it? His first ever movie, you know, from <laughs> his days of what he came she from to with that. Yeah, I mean, even Greta Gerwig, like, you know, her first movie too. But that ABC article that I read was like, who will win? Guillermo del Toro. Who should win? Paul Thomas Anderson for the Phantom. I'm like, what? <laughs> Get off. Uh, yeah, I'm predicting del Toro will win too. Uh, let's just say it now, best actor, oh, it's Gary on. Oldman for both should and would. <laughs> yeah, but hands down, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and again, no knockings, you have to be like, this is a strong category too. Mm-hmm. Uh, actress, this one is going to be interesting because I, I think we both already said Frances McDormand is going to win this, but would you put her as your number one? I think I probably, I mean, it would be tough between her and Sally Hawkins, but I just think Frances McDormand just, there was so much that she was able to do in this movie and in a way, it almost made me forget how good she was in Fargo. So uh, I'd probably go with her for both. I would go her for both. But, I mean, I don't know if it's Australian bias or anything. I Just knowing where Margot Robbie came from, just seeing her do that in Itonia, um, I would be just over the moon if she won that. I just think that she just was so good uh, in that movie. Um, so, I mean, she would be my sort of, you know, on a personal level, I'd love to see her win it. But, yeah, I think it's Frances McDormand for both for me. I just think there's there's no way she's not winning this category. Uh, supporting actor, this one, I'm sticking with Richard Jenkins, and I'm going to go with that for both, because um, I-, I think of all these actors, it, really him and Sam Rockwell, let's just say Christopher Plummer's not winning this. This was almost a slap in the face to Kevin Spacey. Mm. Uh, 
no, I'm not I'm not slapping the face just in a bad way, but I feel like maybe in backlash to Kevin Spacey, and they're like, well, they did the, what he was able to pull off with this movie when 30 days before the movie's released, they're like, hey, we need you to come in and film on these scenes, and we need to cleverly edit around it to make it seem like you were there the whole time. It's maybe a nod to just that last minute performance he gave. Um, Willem Dafoe for the Florida Project. I haven't seen the movie, but uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of love for him there. Woody Harrelson between him and Sam Rockwell, I don't think Woody Harrelson has a chance. And then Richard Jenkins for Shape of Water. So uh, you know, I'm uh, I I would love to see Richard Jenkins win. I think it's probably still my favorite performance I've seen this year. But I'm gonna say that Sam Rockwell is going to win this. Interesting. Um, it's not. It's it's going to be close. I think it, it could be one or the other, but I just I'm starting to see three billboards as a movie that could potentially win almost every category it's in. Uh, I mean, I've I've made it clear my absolute love for Willem Dafoe, so I would make me nothing happier than to see him win it. But again, I've not seen the movie, so I can't really comment much on it. I mean, this is really a category where I like every single person except I don't. You know, Christopher Plummer like discount Kevin Spacey. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not popular for me to still admit that I'm a Kevin Spacey fan of his acting, of his acting, not of yes. what he does outside of his acting. So I kind of what he did outside did not change the performances he had beforehand. Exactly. The easiest way to say it. So I mean, like if he had of you know everything had been all golden with Kev and he had been nominated in this category, I mean, holy crap, I would have just not know how to react. But um, yeah, I think Rockwell will win. Um, I mean, again, I'm going to stick with my personal one with Willem Dafoe. And that's not to take away from Richard Jenkins. I think he was great, uh, but I just. I just think Sam Rockwell is just so good. And, I mean, yeah, he's just one of these actors. I like in the Honest Trailer for it, they're like, you will go from saying, that guy who's been in those movies to that guy who was <laughs> in three billboards from outside Hibbing, Missouri. Um, so, yeah, because Sam Rockwell, you know, this is going to be one of those career awards because he definitely was robbed for his role in Charlie's Angels in the year 2000. Why he wasn't even nominated for that, <laughs> I don't know. So, this is going to make Galaxy up for Quest, that. Galaxy Quest, I'll agree with you. Yeah. If he had been nominated for Galaxy Quest, I would have fully supported that. Iron Man, was he in Iron Man 2 or 3? He was in one of the Iron Mans, wasn't two. he? Two, all right, yeah, yeah I knew it was one of them. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, Sam Rockwell will win this. Supporting actress, so there's Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Allison Janney for I, Tanya, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, wrong nominee there, uh, Laura Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water. Uh, this has to be Allison Janney, and I don't think anybody else really even comes close. Yeah, it's similar, like... If Willem Dafoe and Alison Janney walked away with both of them, but I love Alison Janney, like, so I think absolutely. I mean, Laurie Metcalf, like, again, I really, I really like her and I really liked her performance. And that's not to take away from, um, Octavia Spencer as well. You're right, like, uh, Leslie Manville, wrong actress in Phantom Thread to get nominated. Uh, and the fact that I can look at this and say Mary J. Blige is an Academy Award nominee, I mean, that's a win <laughs> itself for her. Like, that's, like, how the hell is that possible? I haven't seen Mudbound. I'm sure she's great. And she's getting, She's getting a lot of positive attention for it, too. But that's like, that's when, um, oh, what was the name that won the Oscar for Dreamgirls? Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Oh, Jennifer Hudson, yeah. Like, the, what, a year ago she's on American Idol, a year later she's winning an Oscar? <laughs> this is Mary J. Blige, like, anyone who knows her music can grow up. Like, that's like when Beyonce, no doubt, will probably ultimately win a frickin' Oscar because everyone loves her. Um, but yeah, so Lady just... Gaga. Yeah, Academy well, actually... Winner. Golden Globe winner Lady Gaga. She won it for American Horror Story, and rightfully so. She actually is a pretty good actor. I'd, I'd watch it. She's actually better than you joke about. Um, Madonna. That's never happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just don't see anyone else but uh, Alison Janney winning it. She was just so good. Just, and such a, you know, and I told you I think probably should have gotten a four nominate, a few more nominations, and it did, but uh, that's another story. But yeah, Alison Janney for me. 
Uh, original screenplay, Big Sick, Ooh. Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. You said a Big Six not winning this. I'm not going to complain if any of these movies win. I mean, I don't think that Lady Bird uh, is really in the same category as Get Out, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards for the screenplay. But if it wins, I wouldn't complain because it was still a great script. Uh, I personally think that Three Billboards should win this, and I personally think Three Billboards is going to win this. I'm going – look, I, I'm the same as you. I wouldn't be disappointed if any of them – I mean, again, The Big Sick. I didn't hate The Big Sick, but it just is not in the same category as these movies. Um but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Get Out is gonna take it. I don't know. I just feel that it. I just just think Jordan Peele. You have to give it something, right? Yeah, and I just think Jordan Peele writing this script. Like, huh. I mean, come on, it's Jordan Peele. Um, you know, this is like if one of the Wayne brothers, you know, did a movie like this. You'd be like, <laughs> what the hell just happened here? Watching guys won a won an Oscar. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel like you're right. It's got to win something. If Three Billboards wins Best Picture, I just think Get Out and just. Because it was so original in itself, so um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go against you here just to try and get a point here. Because I guess I'll tally these up and we'll see who wins. We're always competitive on the show. Uh, I'm gonna say Get Out will win this one. Uh, if Get Out wins, I may be happier that Three Billboards wins because if Jordan Peele can win a Best Original Screenplay <laughs> Oscar, there's hope for Colin Mockery to one day win an Academy Award. <laughs> and well, that Ben like a Matt Damon one. This didn't they when they were like. Too, so yeah. like, you know <laughs> yeah uh adapted screenplay call me by your name the only best picture nominated movie in this category uh the disaster artist which i haven't seen but i mean it, it's 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 such a fascinating movie and then if it does win we know we're going to get a crazy speech where the real guy comes up on stage again and tries to hijack <laughs> james franco uh logan which oh amazing movie uh way better than i think anybody would ever expect it could be Molly's Game, which I had some problems with, uh, but it's Aaron Sorkin, so of course it's going to be in there. And Mudbound, uh, another one I haven't seen, but a lot of people seem to love it. Um, Call Me By Your Name, I think, should win this. Um, See, this is where it gets weird with the Oscars, because often I feel like people will give something an award just because they know they're not going to give it Best Picture or Best Actor or something like that. So it's probably likely Call Me By Your Name is going to win, uh, I'll predict it for both, but the disaster artist is probably the one that could upset here. Yeah, I agree with you. I've got Call Me By Your Name as well. I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't even seen Logan, so I can't really comment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm an Aaron Sorkin fan. I mean, he's already won an Oscar, hasn't he? So I mean, I was going to say this isn't going to be his first, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I've not seen Molly's Game, but the only one I've seen out of these is Call Me By Your Name. But I think kind of, you know, in a in a category where it's the only one nominated for Best Picture, I think it's kind of should win this one. We have no way to predict foreign language film. Oh, come on. Features for uh, all right, let's do at least foreign language here. A Fantastic Woman from Chile. <laughs> uh, the Insult from Lebanon. Ah, Loveless from R- Russia. Overrated. On Body and Soul from Hungary. Not funny. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and The Square from Sweden. So oh. I, I don't know. I have ancestry from both Sweden and Russia. Uh, I'm going to go with... On Body and Soul from Hungary, because I've heard that it's just outrageously funny. <laughs> Look, I'm just looking here, you know, Ruben Ostlin's work in The Square was pretty good. I much prefer his uh, film <laughs> The Circle, uh, to be honest with you. It was, it was much more groundbreaking. Uh, so I'm going to go for The Insult from Lebanon, because uh, I just think well, that would Academy Award winning film, The Insult. Um, what about Best Animated Feature? Come on, The Boss Baby? Oh, we'll, we'll get that. I was just, if we were going to skip some categories, but we'll conclude that. So animated feature, 
Uh, I'm going to do this one backwards here because there's one that really just makes me scratch my head, which you already said. But <laughs> Loving Vincent, which I'm assuming is some art house anime movie. Ferdinand, no. Coco, the Pixar movie, The Breadwinner, probably some other art house one, and The Boss Baby. <laughs> Tobey Maguire is in yes! a best animated feature film nominated movie. Uh, I didn't realize this was a movie that people thought was good but apparently it is i did read an article today saying that this is the weakest year ever for best animated feature uh this one has to be coco yeah uh pixar pretty much owns this category unless it's a year where they release a cars movie which they did this year that didn't get nominated <laughs> so yeah coco my prediction um we can't really give what we think should win but yeah i'm <laughs> predicting coco uh in a, in a day that we should mention that the emoji movie won the worst picture at the razzies uh how perfect <laughs> would it be if the, it did yes how perfect would it be if the boss baby could uh win best picture at the oscars yeah. um yeah i mean coco P- pixar this may as well be you know renamed best pixar feature film because i mean when do they not win it so yeah Original score, so Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk, Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread, uh, Alexander Dayplatt for Shape of Water, John Williams for Last Jedi, and Carter Burwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, I think Shape of Water is probably going to take this one, uh, and I, it, it's a good score. I personally probably prefer Dunkirk out of all these. Darkest Hour was robbed, though, but my personal one would be Dunkirk. Uh, my real personal one would be Darkest Hour, uh, but Shape of Water is going to win it. Uh, yeah, I think Shape of Water might, but I'm going to just go different to you. I, 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 Dunkirk for me. Uh, I just, I just really enjoyed it, and that just made the movie so much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Hans, Hans Zimmer, just because I love saying his name too. Original song, Mighty River from Mudbound. <laughs> Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name, Remember Me from Coco, Stand Up for Something from Marshall, and This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Uh, I said yesterday I think that This Is Me is probably going to win, but, I mean, it's a Disney thing. Um, Coco, I mean, these are the same songwriters from Frozen, so I'm going to predict Remember Me from Coco. Um, I really actually quite like the This Is Me song, to be completely honest with you. Um, it is pretty good. Yeah, um... I'll go with This Is Me. Why not? I mean, call me by your name. I mean, again, we can't even remember what the damn song was. But um, <laughs> can I just quickly just interrupt? Because I don't think we'll get to the, the best live-action short film. But I want to yeah. just give a special nod for that one to Australian Josh Lawson, who we talked a lot about on um, oh, the... Yeah. The, 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 what do you call it? The Becoming James Bond. Bond. Yeah, the, the, that one, Becoming Bond film. Um, he's, he's done a lot in Australia and he's kind of gone over to America. He was in like Anchorman. He's done a lot of things, but, um, I, yeah, he, I'm like following closely on a lot of his social media and like he's just so stoked that he's even being nominated. He's just like a kid in a candy store. So, um, and I, I think there's at least two or three Australian nominees this year. I couldn't tell you the other ones except for Josh Lawson. So I'm crossing my fingers for live action short film for the 11 o'clock by Darren Seal and Josh Lawson. That's my one that I really hope wins the Oscar. And just to be a jerk, I'm going with Watu Wot slash All of Us. Overrated. Such an overrated film. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> um, this is from the guy who said that Three Billboards was the number four movie of the year. <laughs> Uh, and before we forget, who is this Australian in Three Billboards that you hate? Oh, oh, well, I don't, okay, I shouldn't say, I don't hate her. Uh, Samara Weaving, who was the, um, Frances McDormand's husband's 19-year-old girlfriend. Um, ah. 
So she used to be in Home and Away, and we used to call her Pig Nose because she kind of had like a bit of a, a piggy sort of nose. But I used to think she was gorgeous. She had like just she was she always wore a bikini. She looked amazing in a bikini. I'm just going to leave it at that. But she's actually Hugo Weaving's niece. Uh, oh. so, um, you know, the acting chops, I don't know if they fell too far there, but she's kind of almost like a Margot Robbie. She's kind of like somebody who's just snuck into Hollywood films all of a sudden. And I feel that she's going to be not necessarily a big thing, but so many of these Australian, you know, soap actors try and follow the, the Chris Hemsworth sort of thing and going over and doing these sort of movies. But, uh, I think she definitely looks apart. I think that she will, you know, go off to do a few more things, but I kind of liked her character in the film just because she kind of was just this ditzy sort of person that was a lot similar to her home and away character. So she really doesn't really stretch her acting abilities yet. So, uh, I look forward to seeing her play like, um, I don't know, I, Jamie Saleh, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> The film version of the David Peltier, Jamie Soleil controversy from Salt Lake in about 10 years' time to, to really, you know, uh, amp up her career. And she had one of the funniest moments in the movie when she came in and said, I gotta pee. Yeah. And she's talking about, like, horses that are, like, mentally disturbed yeah. or something like that. Yeah, polio. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, which is the one with horses? Polio? Yeah. Um, Here's a weird one. Sound effects. Okay, we're just going to do the same one here. Sound effects editing or sound editing and sound mixing. So I always, I get confused as to which one is which. I understand the difference between the two of them. This may be the first time, at least, that I've noticed where it is the exact same movies nominated in both categories. Mm -hmm. So it's Baby Driver, Blade Runner 2049, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, and The Last Jedi. Um, This is a tough one because I think... You know, Baby Driver and Dunkirk are definitely, like, very sound-heavy movies. Uh, I'm gonna go with... I don't know which one will be which, but I'm gonna say Dunkirk takes one, Baby Driver takes the other. Uh, let's just, let's just, for argument's sake, say sound mixing goes to Baby... Or sound mixing goes to Dunkirk and sound editing goes to Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I just, I think Baby Driver has to win one of those. I just, it really, really does. But, I mean, Dunkirk was great on that too, but the, I mean, the whole context of just the editing and the music with Baby Driver was just so unique. So, to me, it really deserves to win one. I mean, I'd be thrilled if it wins both. Uh, and when we talk about sort of our best pitches of the year that weren't nominated, I mean, I'm gonna talk about Baby Driver a lot. So, yeah, I think that Baby Driver definitely, hopefully, should win one of these. And I think Dunkirk, I agree with you. I'm gonna go with the same. Uh, actually, no, I'm gonna swap them around. Uh, <laughs> So I'll go just in case I'm wrong, this way yeah. you get a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've gone for uh, Dunkirk for editing and uh, Baby Driver for mixing. Uh, production design, which is basically the sets, if anybody didn't know. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> Blade Runner 2049, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, and Shape of Water. I think that Shape of Water is going to win this one. I am going to just give, I don't know if, it's it's necessarily better, but I'm going to give an honorable mention to Darkest Hour just because so many of the sets in this movie are so small and insignificant and just – they did such a great job, as, as I said in our review, of making this movie so cinematic with such dreary, small, closed-in sets, like especially the War Room stuff. I just loved the sets in Darkest Hour. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, Shape of Water will win. But yeah, the Darkest Hour looked like really, really good too. I mean – Dunkirk looked great, but I mean, that was kind of more on a, on a grander scheme, wasn't it? I wouldn't have a fucking clue about Beauty and the Beast, I don't give a shit. And, um, Blade Runner, yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with what you said for both, but uh, I'm gonna say Shape of Water to, to win. And you're saying that to win as well, yes? Yeah. 
Yes, okay. I mean, they built an incredible shower in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> such a such a great one, yes. <laughs> uh, cinematography, Blade Runner 2049, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and Shape of Water. So this is the one where I think it's going to break away from the um, heavy favorites. Because I'm going to say Blade Runner is going to win this. I haven't seen the movie yet. It looks incredible. But also the cinematographer, uh, Roger Deakins, who did this, he wins everything uh, and when he doesn't win people complain he did skyfall uh a couple of years ago which uh i believe he won for skyfall uh so yeah i'm going with blade runner for this one um yeah i mean look i haven't i've only seen last jedi so oh and guardians of the galaxy um Wait, what which category what are we up to Guardians of Ga- oh, talking about. i'll tell you visual effects i'm listening to you i'm uh, glad you're paying attention to my <laughs> speech there um oh look let's throw in shape of water just to give go a different view i can i haven't seen blade i don't know so <laughs> um, I, I just think it yeah i don't know there's just something the feel about the film that i really enjoyed so yes yeah uh makeup and hairstyling Dark Darkest Hour, Hour, Victoria and Abdul and Wonder. <laughs> I, oh, I'd i love to be funny and say Victoria and Abdul is going to win because that's a running joke on the show, but it's going to be Darkest Hour. What is Wonder? That's the movie about the, the kid who has a, what would be the political correct way of saying it? He has a Oh, we talked about that, didn't that, we? Yeah. I don't know if he was born with a, you know, misshaped face or something like that, or it was a disorder, a deformity. <laughs> He was. He doesn't look as he should. Yes, <laughs> and it required makeup to make him look that way. Yeah. Um, I have found just quickly the other Australians nominated to be completely uh, correct here on the other side of things. So obviously, we know Margot Robbie, um, and we'll get to the editing, no doubt. But Lee Smith uh, is an Australian. He's a nominated for Dunkirk and Paul Machlis Machlis uh, for Baby Driver. They're both in the same category. And, uh, as I said, Josh Lawson and Darren Seal is actually Australian too. He's co-nominee. So they're our Australian nominees. There's what? That's four, five, including Margot Robbie. So, uh, I love how in this article I'm reading too, they're like talking about Australian actors make appearances in films nominated for the Big Picture Award. Former Home and Away star Jordan Rodriguez, who plays Miguel in Lady Bird, and Ben Mendelsohn, who plays King George VI in Darkest Hour. No mention of poor Samara Weaving, who of course was in Three Billboards. Oh. <laughs> Clearly she was that memorable <laughs> for everybody. Uh, and also another Australian in uh, Three Billboards we should mention, Abby Cornish, who was um, oh, yeah. Woody Harrelson's uh, wife. So right. yeah, she was pretty good too. Anyway, And she yeah. got to keep her accent. She did, yes. I noticed that. Uh, costume design. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Darkest Hour. <laughs> Phantom Thread. Shape of Water. And Victoria and Abdul. Yes! Robbed, robbed. Victoria and Abdul. <laughs> uh, this has to be Phantom Thread. Because I do know the, the, kind of the way that the Oscar voting works is those who are in the costume design field will vote on this category. This movie is a love letter to costume designers everywhere. It's Oscar bait. This yeah. is going to win. Yeah, like, let's be honest. The whole purpose of Phantom Thread was not to win Daniel Day-Lewis a final Oscar Best Picture. It was to win the esteemed Best Costume Design category. So, uh, I mean, a movie which is about costume designing, if that doesn't win costume designing, then there's something wrong with it. <laughs> uh, editing. This is always one of my favorite categories because uh, editing and even re-editing other movies is one of my hobbies. But Baby Driver, Dunkirk, I, Tanya, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. 
I'm I'm going to split on this one because I really do think Dunkirk should win this, and it'll be ridiculous if it doesn't win. But I'm pretty sure Shape of Water is going to take this. Uh, well, I'll go for Dunkirk then to really shove it into you if it does win it. Uh, I mean, I agree uh, with you. I mean, again, you know, I'm going to stand up for Baby Driver, but um, you know, plus Dunkirk would be an Australian win, so um, we'll uh, we'll look at for look at for that one. So um, yeah, I'm going to put Dunkirk to be different. And finally, best visual effects. Blade oh, Runner, we're not doing documentary and animated short. Come on, they're the they're the glamour All right, awards. Let's give, just so we have full <laughs> predictions here, uh, documentary feature. Ab- Abacus, small enough to jail. Faces, places. Icarus, <laughs> last men in Aleppo, and Strong Island. Just because I love the rhyming title, I'm going with faces, places. Um. Well, I think you're absolutely an idiot because if Strong Island doesn't win this, then the Academy Awards are a joke. Um. That's hands down the uh the number one film and best documentary feature. I mean, I like watching a documentary about an island that is strong. I'm from an island, so you know I've got to make sure that it's uh, a strong one. So yeah, Strong Island, hands down. Come on. If you combine North America, Central America, and South America, can I say I'm from an island too? N- no. Oh, I wanted to be on an island. Um, I'm on an island, off an island. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Documentary short subject, Edith plus Eddie. Heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. Heroin in brackets E. So what do you call that? Heroin, heroin, heroin. Um, (laughs) Heroine. Knife skills and traffic stop. Um... I'm going to make a bold prediction here and say Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405 just so that we have a movie with a title weirder than three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri wins an Oscar. That is a big call, Colin Hilding. I've never heard you make such a bold prediction because everyone knows it's going to be Edith plus Eddie. Uh, I mean, you know, they just, they work together like peanut butter and jam. It's just, you know, just what a combination Edith and Eddie are. So uh, to me, hands down. Laura Laura Chekokaway. Um, <laughs> finally we'll pick You're up that, fan. that Oscar that she thoroughly deserved. Uh, you know, she's, she's known as the queen of the best documentary short subject of the Academy Awards. So long overdue for Laura. Uh, live action short film. Oh, is there any doubt? Elementary. We what? know it's my nephew Emmett. Come on. We don't even need to go through these. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I said I had praise for Watu Wote slash all of us. So I'm going to disagree and say Watu Wote slash all of us. Uh, oh. 11 o'clock, my nephew Emmett and the Silent Child are the other nominees. Um, yeah, no, I've already said about this one that it's going to be 11 o'clock. So you've got Watu. We already did this one. <laughs> well, I never said that. I said Watu could have, but now I'm firm on it, okay? <laughs> okay, fine. 11 and o'clock. Animated short film... Dear Basketball, Garden Party, Lou, Negative Space, and Revolting Rhymes. Uh, this is the year for Garden Party by Victor Kerr and Gabrielle Grapperin. Yeah, good old Grapperin. Deserves an Oscar. Um, yeah, no, look, I think it would just be great to have a, uh, something called Revolting Rhymes winning an Oscar. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Revolting Rhymes winning that one. <laughs> Uh, And finally, visual visual (laughs) effects, Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I have said all the way back to the original Planet of the Apes, Rise for the Planet of the Apes, that these movies have the greatest effects I've ever seen. So this has to be War for the Planet of the Apes. That's my prediction for both my preference and what will win. And if it doesn't win, I am never doing another Oscars podcast ever again. Unless wow. it goes to Blade Runner 
Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong Scion, or Last Jedi. But it should be Planet of the Apes. Uh, hopefully it's not Last Jedi. Uh, <laughs> any movie, like, I love Star Wars, but any movie that awards, you know, Princess Leia floating in space, uh, no. Um, I've only, yeah, look, I haven't seen War of the Planet of the Apes. Out of the movies I've seen, Last Jedi and Guardians, I'm going to go for Guardians. I enjoyed, I, I think, you know, it's a very visually effects-heavy film. I mean, is there anything shot in that movie that's not in front of the green screen? Um, but I mean, the thing is with it though, they still look, they don't take you away from it. It looks brilliant. So I'm going to go with Guardians. Cause has, has any of the Marvel films ever won, uh, this category before? I don't know. Um, maybe you can look into that. I'll double check <laughs> that while you go on to the next section on this yeah. great podcast. Uh, okay. So this is where I guess we can add our replacements in here. Uh, I guess, here's the weird thing normally i would have a much longer list of like you know 20 25 movies where i'm like i could replace this for best picture this for best picture because i've been so busy in the last year i have not been able to watch as much as i would have liked for the same reason i don't have a lot of like worst movies of the year but just a couple of movies that i think i would have substituted in here and maybe i can kind of put where i would put it among these movies uh war for the planet of the apes like i said the Usually we get more, uh, at least a few blockbusters thrown in here. Like ever since they expanded the best pictures, Avatar got in. Um, uh, what else? Like, well, the Lord of the Rings movies, obviously. Uh, Inception. So it's kind of weird that we have no big blockbusters this year. You can't really Dunkirk is oh, just Phantom a warm Thread. Movie. Phantom Thread. Yeah, that block special effects blockbuster Phantom Thread. Uh, where they made Daniel Day-Lewis interesting through visual effects <laughs> <laughs> when nothing else in the movie was. <laughs> but uh, mostly I'm just going to say some blockbusters in here because I think for the most part they got everything else right. But it would have been great to have seen War for the Planet of the Apes in there just because that, that, that series is so good and it's so respected too. And you know when I was looking through uh, a lot of those top 10 lists this afternoon, you know, going through more than 100 top 10 lists of critics – War for the Planet of the Apes came up on a couple of them. Uh, and I think even though Dawn for the Planet of the Apes is probably my favorite of them, I think War is probably... It's a very deep movie, which is when you expect from Planet of the Apes. Uh, another one that I think would be my main one that I would throw in there is John Wick Chapter 2, which when I saw John Wick Chapter 2 like a year ago, and I was a huge fan of the first John Wick, but it was just a fun, you know, Jerry action film. John Wick Chapter 2, I told everybody I saw it, I'm like, this is the godfather of action movies. It is so good. Uh, the story is amazing. It's it's just, it's it's almost in a way me like Terminator 2. You know, Terminator 2 for like sci-fi blockbusters. It was like you had this genre and then Terminator 2 took it to like an Oscar-worthy level. And that's the way I feel John Wick Chapter 2 is. And again, I saw John Wick Chapter 2 on several top 10 lists. Uh, over the last uh, you know day or so that I've been looking through these, and I honestly think that the movie is that good that if it, I remember telling people when it came out, if John Wick Chapter Two gets an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, it would be deserved, and I don't think people would laugh at it. And I still think like that movie easily could have been thrown in here. Uh, the other one, which I'm pretty sure we're both going to agree on, is I Tanya, mm -hmm. which uh, that that movie deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, I don't obviously you can't say well they made a mistake by not nominating it ultimately comes down to what percentage it gets of the nominations but it's kind of crazy to me that it has as much love as it has and has as many nominations as it has and it's not nominated especially when you get a movie like The Post which I like The Post I may have liked Itanya more but uh 
the post has only two nominations and it's in there for best picture best picture is one of them so i guess of those three movies i would put uh john wick i would probably put in my top five like i might bump the darkest hour for john wick that's how much uh, i think that movie really deserved to get the attention uh from the oscars uh i tanya i'd put you know probably ahead of something like call me by your name um maybe just below the post or maybe just a slightly ahead of the post and war for the planet of the apes i mean it should at least make it into a top 10 uh so any other favorites you had this year i know you're going to just talk a lot about baby driver here well personally my favorite film for the year uh was logan lucky um i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that film and mm. i honestly think that could have snuck in there like it's just I don't know, there was just something uniquely charming about it, and you kind of, you look at some of the, these films, and, you know, just the whole, the plot with everything, and the acting, you know, of all sort of three of the main stars, like, you know, I, I really had not seen Channing Tatum in anything, and, you know, he looked like a thumb, basically, but, like, he was great, <laughs> like, he was really good, um, Adam Driver was great, like, it's kind of this, just dumb, dumb skull of a brother, and Daniel Craig, just, like, wow, like, you, you know, you're so used to him as Bond and so used to him in these roles, but to play this kind of, like, blonde, redneck hick was just amazing, and just he pulls it off so well, and just everything about Logan Lucky is fun. So, to me, that was my best film of last year. Um And, like, that doesn't even get any nominations at all. Like, you know, I mean, the editing in that was great. It just, everything about that film was so good, and so that really surprised me that didn't get any. But, yeah, Baby Driver in itself was, you know, great. It's in my top three. Um, uh, I know that, um, and I've gone blank on his name. He got, uh, nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance in it. Um, the, the main guy who plays Baby. Um, oh, yeah. But, I mean, he was, he was fantastic in it. I mean, you know, it was at that time we were allowed to say Kevin Spacey was great because, you know, he, he was great in it as <laughs> well. Uh, Ansel Egort, uh, the esteemed Ansel Egort. Um, you know, and like people like John Hamm and, you know, Jamie Foxx, like they're not in it that much, but just the, the way they are in it is great. Um, and we obviously talked about, uh, Eliza Gonzalez, uh, I'm not Eliza Gonzalez, sorry. Um, da, 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 Lily James, sorry. Uh, in, yeah. um, Dark uh, Dark Hours. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, it's just, it's such a great film. Um, and they're, they're my top two. I agree with you, Itonia. I mean, like, what, usually we sometimes get 10 Best Picture nominees. So, like, you know, why couldn't Itonia slip in there as number 10? Um, you know, I think that that definitely should have gotten more than it should have. Um, and I mean, this is just a random one. It was never going to get nominated for Oscars ever. Uh, but I mean, in, in terms of the enjoyability of a film that I really wish I didn't like because I wasn't going to like it, but just Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. There was just something about <laughs> that that just, to me, it just was great. And I can't wait for that to come out. And you know, like, I, I love Justice League. You know, I really enjoyed that. I was the only one where you liked it too. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, I really, really enjoyed, uh, I mean, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming was good at the time. I've kind of gone down on that slightly, but I mean, it was still kind of enjoyable. Wonder Woman was great. You know, I'm just thinking of like the blockbuster blockbusters, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just, there's something about Jumanji that I just enjoyed too much from a film that I really didn't want to like as much as that. So, uh, they might be my top three. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jumanji robbed of, uh, best picture nominations, but I mean, it's gone on to obviously huge success, but, uh, what about worst pictures? Are we doing this as well? Yeah, well, and again, this is another hard one because I haven't seen as many movies this year as I would have liked. I've seen a ton more than most people have. I mean, still, you know, I have people saying, oh, you've seen this movie. I'm like, yeah, I have. Uh, give me your opinion on it. But 
the, all the ones I look through here, I can't find any other than one, which I couldn't even finish the movie that I absolutely hated. But uh, a couple I'll just mention first that I just thought were incredibly disappointing and had so much potential and just were were really just a complete mess. Um, Dark Tower was mm. oh there there were some slightly enjoyable moments, but like what a disappointment that was, uh, and something that I think just it could have really been great. It was just nothing was done right in that movie. I mean, they they took the wrong direction with the story. They were cramming too much in there. Uh, it didn't really make sense for the most part. It's just all around huge disappointment. Uh, it's funny because I I know we did the review of this. I don't even remember if I rented it or not. Maybe you can even look it up. But Atomic Blonde, did you binned it? Did Jamie and I rent it? in front of me. You both binned it. Did Jamie bin that one too? She did, yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> She's in the background, yes. <laughs> She's like, yes. Um, yeah, Atomic Blonde, I had such high hopes for, partly because it was – made by one of the two guys who made the first John Wick. And those two guys kind of split. One did John Wick Chapter 2, and the other one did Atomic Blonde. And I was so excited because it was like this Cold War spy movie, and it was the guy that made John Wick. And it was so boring. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, it was such a good movie. There's one great sequence in the movie. The rest of it, complete garbage. Um, But yet at the same time, I have a thing for spy movies, so... Every once in a while, I've, we've been seeing that like at Walmart, and I'm like, oh, if this gets cheap enough, maybe I'll buy it. And Jamie's like, but it was terrible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's worth a second look <laughs> or something. Uh, the one that I could not even get through, and I don't understand. I Well, I understand the love for it because it was a generation of girls who grew up on this, and now it's it's kind of like us with Star Wars. We make fun of Star Wars. We may say Star Wars is terrible, but uh, The Last Jedi is terrible, at least, but you, know, you still kind of stick with it. Beauty and the Beast. Like I mentioned this on a past episode, if you're going to remake a Disney animated movie into a live action, A, you should do it differently, and B, you should do something that, that it, there should be a reason why it is live action. You know, I can understand, even though I think the movie was way worse than this, Maleficent, it made sense to make a live action one because you're like, well, it's animated, this would look cool live action with actors. Beauty and the Beast, this is like our complaint we have with The Lion King. It is still 90% animated <laughs> because you don't have real dancing teacups that you can cast in this movie. <laughs> like you can't go to you know a, a list of dancing teacups who, who are oh, registered with racist. the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, well, <laughs> until they get their own guild, it's not. Hashtag um, me too for teacup actors. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to watch that movie with Jamie and I'm like, it is the exact same movie. They have the same songs, the same story, the same dialogue, no difference. It was just the most pointless movie ever. Uh, and every girl who grew up in the 90s is now like, I hate you. I'm never listening to this podcast again. Well, trust me, listen to some of our other episodes. We're going to give you plenty of other reasons to hate us. We but lost our female I, audiences in Dirty Dancing. Come on. Exactly, yeah. But just like Dirty Dancing, I do not see the point of Beauty and the Beast. Um... I mean, to me, the biggest disappointment of the year was Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I just it's the heart. And yet, the how many up. times did you see it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's a Star Wars <laughs> film. You're always going to see it, and you will always watch it. Like that's the difference with a Star Wars film. If it was just you know a generic film that like even you know next year we're going to rewatch all of them again in the lead up to Episode Nine. So it's it's always going to be a film that we're going to watch. But it's no different to Star Wars fans who hate the prequels. They will still watch the prequels. Um, it's just they don't like them as much. So I will still always watch The Last Jedi, but it's just, 
it's just such a disappointing film from the hype and just everything that you're expecting and all that sort of stuff. So that was maybe the most disappointing movie for me last year. Again, I didn't hate it. I mean, the movies that I saw last year that I binned, I think I'm just looking here at The Dark Tower and Geostorm. Um, and I mean, Geostorm was just... I like a good disaster movie, but I say the words good disaster movie. I mean, this is a movie where they literally have, like I think, like two scenes of a city getting destroyed. The rest is Gerard Butler in space. Um, so, you know, it's, eh, it was just, it was average. Um, so yeah. And I mean, I, I didn't go into the dark tower knowing a whole lot about the background of it. Um, so I mean, to me it was, yeah, it was, it had its moments as you said, but I mean, it's not one that I'm going to rush out anytime soon to, to see again. Um, and like this, I, I want to put this in a weird bubble because it sound it sounds weird that I'm putting this in the category of disappointing films or bad films because this is not a disappointing film. It's not a bad film. It's an ent- entertaining film that I would gladly watch again. It was just different to what I was expecting and different to the previous films that came before it, and that was Thor Ragnarok. Um, and it's just just the shift in tone from the Thor series because I think you know I was a little bit higher on particularly the first Thor than I know you are, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this when we do the Avengers. And again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. It was funny. It was just everything. But it just, it was just, it was kind of like The Last Jedi. Like, it's just not what you expected from a Star Wars film. You know, it's kind of like, oh, like, they've just gone on a different tangent now with this Marvel film with Thor. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a, a, I wasn't expecting that to be how it was. But, um, you know, I was a late arrival, of course, to catching up on all the Marvel films. But, um, yeah, uh, to me, it's it's Star Wars. It's not the worst film of the year. I, again, I'm similar to you. I didn't see that many. And of all the ones I saw last year, there wasn't one that I just hated. Uh, but yeah, the, on a disappointing level, it's Star Wars The Last Jedi for me. Uh, and just on the topic of Thor Ragnarok, I think the reason that I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok was because I couldn't stand the first two Thor movies, so I welcomed the change in tone and everything else. But I can see your point. If you enjoy something and then they completely change it, then, yeah, it's going to be... Even if it's a good movie, it's just going to be kind of weird. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, I agree with that statement. That's pretty much all we have here, then. So, um, you know, we didn't stick to our 20 to 30 minute thing, but that's because we had some other stuff to catch up on. Uh, So... Get your Oscar ballots out and spend tomorrow night comparing your predictions, the winners, to our predictions. And then uh, tell us how wrong we are because we hated Phantom Thread. If there is anybody out there who loved <laughs> Phantom Thread, and I doubt there were. Get off uh, our listenership base. Go away. <laughs> yeah, now we've officially lost all of our female viewers. Um, they hate dresses. They hate fashion. They just hate Patrick women Swayze. in general. Uh, Patrick Swayze, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this bro podcast is dead to me. Bring back Jamie. But, uh, Where's all the shirtless men talk? <laughs> uh, no shirtless men in three billboards. So she didn't really watch this one with me. Yeah. Uh, but um, we're done this. Like you said, this is the first time you've ever completed this. And I'm sure we'll be back to do this again next year. You did this all in a week. So credit to you because I got a couple of these out of the way back in you know December and January when they first started coming out. But... I mean, even the one you had watched before Dunkirk, you found a way to watch it again. So uh, applause for Ben here for getting through Yay, nine movies, ben. none of Woo. which had Madonna in both a role and the theme song. <laughs> so we're hey, starting to for Madonna. She didn't get nominated for a Razzie this year, so she'll be happy with that. Do you have the other Razzie, not not all the categories, but the other major Razzie winners? Oh, there wasn't you? This that. Probably, at the time we're recording this, this probably just happened. Uh, yeah, it's happened in the last 12 or so hours. I don't think, like, I swear they're cutting their categories. Um, 
So, yeah, Emoji Movie won Worst Picture. Uh, Tony Ledonis won Worst Director for the Emoji Movie. Tom Cruise, Worst Actor for The Mummy. Um, oh. Tyler Perry for Worst Actress in Boo 2, <laughs> A Media Halloween. Uh, worst Supporting Actor was Mel Gibson in Daddy's Home 2. Worst Supporting Actress was Kim Bassinger in Fifty Shades Darker. Worst screen combo, any two obnoxious emojis, the emoji movie. Worst prequel <laughs> remake, ripoff or sequel was Fifty Shades Darker. Worst screenplay, the emoji movie. And the Razzie nominee, So Rotten You Loved It, uh, Baywatch. Um, so there you go. The Barry L. Bumstead Award. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing some sort of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, longevity award to Chips. And the Razzie Redeemer Award was won for a safe Hollywood haven where talent is projected, nourished, and allowed to flourish with proper compensation. So, the Transformers oh, last night... Yeah. The the Transformers last night will be disappointed. They went into this with the most nominations of 10 nominees and didn't win any. So, um, bad year for the Transformers <laughs> the last night, not winning any Razzies. That's, that's progress for the Transformers series. They didn't win a Razzie. <laughs> Michael Bay sitting there, yes, we didn't win any! We're getting better! <laughs> And I'm regretting now that we never got around to doing the Emoji Movie, which yes. we had uh, planned on doing. <laughs> we but, did so uh, many times that we're like, we'll do it, we'll do it. We never did it, so. <laughs> no. Uh, but we're done with the Oscar ones, and I guess the next thing that we should announce we're moving on to uh, is going to be the uh, Tomb Raider movies. Woo! Like two weeks away from the Tomb Raider, the, <laughs> the good one, which I haven't seen it yet, but I guarantee it will be known as the good one. I laugh uh, so much if it was worse than the end. And you're like coming out of, God, I miss Angelina Jolie. <laughs> uh, not going to happen. Uh, I'm excited to talk about these. We could tease it a little bit because I guess it's our next project. Uh, I mean, I am excited because I'm actually going to start watching it as soon as we're done this. Jamie even said, if we're going to watch Tomb Raider tonight, can we get popcorn? Maybe that's because, you know, she, she needed something to take her attention off her disgust for Angelina Jolie. No, no, uh, no Kat, I, I'm just going to interrupt you there. Jamie's going to go gaga for the first one. It's like basically full-on wow. nude Daniel Craig. And like a yeah, scene I, where Angelina Jolie does nothing but stare at his manhood and go, mmm, and walk out. So, you know. I had uh, told her... <laughs> The male actors are within this this series, I guess. Uh, but maybe, I mean, we should... Jamie! All right. <laughs> Jamie! <laughs> no, I, this has nothing to do with snacks. Um, are you aware that Tomb Raider 1 has Daniel Craig in it and Tomb Raider 2 has Gerard Butler? <laughs> Shirtless. Naked? T- Daniel Craig's naked. <laughs> Daniel Craig's naked. Like, full-on shower Daniel Craig naked scene. There's more Daniel Craig nudity in this than Angelina Jolie nudity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we piqued her interest. Uh, <laughs> Can we watch it now, Colin? Jamie- Can we watch it now? <laughs> uh, also, Jamie and I saw Red Sparrow last night with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and my favourite actor, Joel Edgerton. So we'll get a review for that as well. Um, that movie also had a lot of shirtless men and some full frontal nudity of men uh, as well as women in it. So Jamie's going to be busy talking mostly in that episode. Uh, and he, and it, yeah, she's laughing at that. Uh, she, she's been talking about it nonstop for the last 24 hours. There's a dick in the movie, like a full-fledged front... You, you got lucky in the last 24 hours and you're wondering why. It's like, oh, because Jamie saw a penis <laughs> in the movie. All right, no wonder she's been on me all day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tomb Raider, we're going to cover the, the first two movies. And I don't like either of these movies. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen them each once. I think I, I think I can't remember that well, but I think I preferred the second one to the first one. Yeah. I just I loved video games when they came out, and I was so disappointed when Angelina Jolie was cast uh, because I was I, 
fan of hers. I still don't think she fit the role at all. Ah, um, boo. And, boo you, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that the movies really represented the video games very well. But I am excited for the new one, so something to at least set my expectations low in case this comes out as Tomb Raider comes out as the next Dark Tower or Atomic Blonde or Beauty and the Beast. You know, I'm not that crushed by it. I, I haven't seen them in a while. I think I said this when we last talked about it. But, I mean, I the first one, like, just my friend and I in high school used to watch every day, basically, and quote the shit out of it. Um, but I, I'm with... I think the, it's been a while, even longer since I've seen the second one. But I think the second one, from memory, is better, uh, which isn't that hard. Because the first one, let's be honest, really isn't that good. I mean, just because I love it, you know, I can see it's pretty shit. Um, but, I mean, this is when Angelina Jolie was at the peak of her hotness. Come on, Colin Hilding. Like, God, she's amazing. And Angelina Jolie's sexier with a British accent. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, so, and look out for, um, oh, what's his name? Noah. He's basically the Q of the movie. Um, the Australian actor. I can't remember his last name. Um, Noah but Taylor. Noah Taylor, thank you. Uh, who I, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I haven't seen him being in much things recently, but he's great. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just, I don't know, they're just those really dumb movies. They're the die another day of the video they're game. Dumb, which actually, right. you, you can't really say the die another day of the video game industry movies, because really every movie in the video game industry is a die another day, because they've all been shit. So, <laughs> I mean, we need to do this. Like, what is the best video game movie ever? I mean, I'm sticking with Street Fighter or Mario. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Street Fighter purely because it's Jean-Claude Van Damme and Kylie Minogue. Um, but, yeah, I, I bring on Tomb Raider. I'm excited for these two films. Um, and we are now wrapped up nine days, so, uh, thank you for joining us. And go out and watch Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, the number one movie of the year, or the number four movie of the year, or just write in and tell us your thoughts on Facebook, on Twitter, whether you agree with me or Ben, uh, or whether you are rooting for... DeKalb Elementary, the 11 o'clock, My Nephew Emmett, The Silent Child, or Watu Wote slash all of us tomorrow night come the Oscar time. And uh, that is it. My name is Colin, and I'm dead now. Sorry about that. And my name is Ben, and what's the law on what you can say on a podcast? I assume it can't be anything defamatory, and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.